Just before we get into this podcast, just a quick note from Henry and I. We absolutely love hosting the Badminton Podcast, but whilst juggling full-time jobs and bearing the costs of the editing so that we can bring you higher quality episodes and regular episodes, we would love your support. And you can support us through our Patreon account where you can pledge just a little bit per month that's just going to help the Badminton Podcast keep running regularly and to keep serving your badminton needs. So, when you can, please log on to www.patreon.com slash the badminton podcast, no spaces, and pledge a small amount. It's just really going to help us to keep this podcast going. Thanks a lot. Brought to you from Melbourne, Australia, this is the Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players by badminton players where we talk badminton, celebrate local heroes, interview players from all walks of life, and push you to grow as a player and a person. Introducing your hosts, Jeff and Henry. Badminton enthusiasts, players, and those who have stumbled upon us, welcome to another episode of the Badminton Podcast, proudly sponsored by Volantware. My name is Henry, and I'm Jeff, and we're the co-founders of Volantware, the brand that gives badminton players an alternative to the unsightly conventional badminton wear so that you can feel stylish and confident anywhere. In short, that we make badminton clothing that makes you look great on and off the court so jump onto our website check us out at www.volantwear.com there's plenty of other free resources on there as well and if you want to find us you can find us on our social media channels as well at volantwear v-o-l-a-n-t-w-e-a-r so welcome again on to our very next episode of the badminton podcast and i'll leave it to jeff to introduce our very exciting new guest Thanks, Henry. Today's guest is someone that I've known for quite a long time and the podcast here has been coming for a long time as well. We've finally been able to book it in, so we're really excited to have her on. So we're here today with Canadian superstar Michelle Lee. She's currently ranked number 10 in the world in women's singles and has been as high as number 8. Her list of achievements is long, like super, super long. And they include gold medals at the 2014 Commonwealth Games. She was Pan American champion seven times, could be more, we could be mistaken. (laughs) We actually don't know. It's at least seven times in Pan Am Games and Pan Am Championships. And she's been the winner of heaps of international titles. And some of the big ones include the Macau Open and Canadian Open. Throughout my career, I've had a lot of outside influences that would affect me that I didn't even know. Subconsciously, like I had no idea that I was being negatively affected and I never took care of myself. And I never took the time to really focus on me. I was just focusing on trying to fix everything else around me. What other people think was right. And then I didn't feel very happy. I wasn't enjoying myself. Especially during this time, I know a lot of people are struggling. I think it's really important to take even just a little bit of time out of your day to connect with yourself, know what you're doing every day and just have a goal because as long as you know what you're doing, like you can still keep yourself sane. It's really important to keep that and make sure that you're in a very healthy mind space. Outside of badminton, she loves to eat. Her Instagram's full of just eating. Literally, it's just food like 99% of the time and she really likes Japanese food but when she's at home she does spend a lot of time with her little niece Teresa who's two years old and she's also someone who 
fills up a lot of her Instagram feed and stories as well. So we're really, really excited to have Michelle on. So thanks so much for being on, Michelle. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on your, your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off just with a few quick fire questions just to get us going and get us in the mood. So they're going to be pretty easy, I think, hopefully. You don't have to think too much about them. So just respond with whatever first comes to your mind. Is that cool? Okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> awesome. All right. So when people normally see you, how old do they think you are? I've had 22 most of the time. 22. Okay, cool. Great. So good. So a good six years under. Forever young. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're yeah. spoiled it now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what can't you stand besides people telling your real age? I mean, I, it's not like I can't stand it. I mean, it's just something that I don't <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> okay. Sorry. We, we won't end that bit out. It's okay. <laughs> you mean like a pet peeve? Yeah. Yeah. People who aren't fake people, like kind of two-sided. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What is the song that you must sing every time you go to karaoke? I don't go to karaoke much, but I feel like Backstreet Boys, I want it that way is a definite hit. Solid. That's a good choice. Solid good choice. Solid yeah. choice. <laughs> Definitely on our top 10 when we go. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's your go-to flavor of ice cream? Green tea. Oh, yeah, nice. Good choice. Good choice. Matcha green tea. Yeah, yeah. Like, liking, liking the answers right yeah. now. Very really good. awesome. What Netflix or any other series are you binging right now or have you recently binged? Um, I have gone back to Friends recently before okay. I was binging Grey's Anatomy. This should be an easy one for you. Maple syrup versus honey. Maple syrup. Yeah, yeah. Canadian talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> do you prefer text or calls? Calls. Calls. Okay. Flowers versus chocolate. Flowers. What do you do with the present that you don't like? What do I do with a present that I don't like? I always keep it for a long time. And then I kind of just put it there. And then years later, then I might throw it out. But I always keep it first. Okay. Even if I don't like it. Okay, you good, keep it. Good. You're not a re-gifter. Yeah, you're not a re-gifter. No, I'm not. Would you re-gift it after a period of time? I would say like a solid period of time, like maybe two years, two, three years. And it really depends on what it is. But usually if it's like somebody that's giving something to me and it has some sort of meaning, then I never re-gift it. But if it was just like a party and then it was like a lucky draw or whatever, then I'll re-gift those. Yeah. 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 So the impersonal ones. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Good call. And if you had to evacuate your house within the next minute, what are the three things that you would take with you? My niece. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear her in the background. My slippers. Your slippers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And money. Okay. Yep, sure, yep. sure. No money. You got lots of cash at home, but not just under, underneath the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were only allowed to choose one, if you could choose a clean bathroom, clean bedroom, or clean kitchen, which one would you pick? Clean bathroom. Bathroom. Yeah, I can't live with a dirty bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last one. If you had one million dollars to spend on anything, what are the first three things that you would spend it on? Uh, first thing I would spend on is buy my parents a house. Second would be charity. And third would be on my own business. Your own business? So opening something like a business. What, yeah. what would that business be? How intriguing. <laughs> this is screw the badminton podcast. Here. <laughs> We're a business podcast. <laughs> We're a business podcast now. <laughs> well, I, 
I do want to have my own business after badminton. I want to open many things. So that could include my own gym, my own cafe or lounge, my own bakery. I love egg tarts. So I really think that I would really want to open my own egg tart or bakery kind of thing. So a lot of ideas. What cool. Where would you start first? If you could only choose one, which one would it be? Most likely a gym. Would it be a sports specific one or more like a general family gym? Um, the, the dream is a general family gym. Obviously, I'm going to start with certain specific sports, but it's more about just providing a place for the community to kind of come in and share like um, sporting experiences. And I think it'll probably start with badminton and volleyball. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So cool. similar, yeah. Especially badminton. Like my passion is there. So definitely I want to be able to give back to the community in some mm-hmm. way in that sense. But I want to obviously grow it into something more general too. Would it be in Canada? Would it be close to where you are in Toronto or? I'm pretty sure it will be in Canada. So any listeners out there who want to open a gym, there's an investment opportunity here for you when Michelle decides to take up this this business venture of hers. <laughs> What's the gym scene like there? there? In Australia here, there's lots of chain gyms. So like you get one membership and there's lots of clubs everywhere. Is that a similar thing or is it more boutique kind of singular gyms there? It depends on like what kind of gym you're talking about. Like we have obviously the corporate gyms, it's called Good Life and that's chains and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they're mostly just uh, strength training, weight training. There's some squash boards, a swimming pool, like the very general basic types. And they have studios for yoga classes or uh, Pilates or spin classes. In terms of badminton gyms, it's more clubs. So it's more like warehouse style. So they don't really have everything it's just badminton courts and maybe like a little gym space it's not a chain style Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so there's definitely an opportunity for you to open up a badminton volleyball gym then yeah i guess (laughs) i I hope so i'm excited for you (laughs) thank you so i guess let's move on to badminton shall we michelle let's let's talk about your badminton story when did you actually start playing badminton and how did you get started um, I started, I picked up my first racket when I was 11 and I started just playing with my mom and her good friend had kids that was already training in a club and they introduced me to go train with them. I think it's because they wanted us to spend more time together and also, I don't know, just like a common interest, I guess. So then they introduced me to the club I train at now. And then since I started taking my first lesson, it just kind of took off from there. Like yeah. after one lesson... And I took more lessons and then it started competing and then I joined their team and it just kind of took off. When when did you decide that you wanted to be one of the best players in the world? Was that always on your mind or were you just taking it more day by day? Mm, I remember a conversation I had with my coach when I was around 16 or 17. I told her, I don't want to go to the Olympics. I just want to be really good. (laughs) And then she's like, you're stupid. Every athlete wants to go to the Olympics. So that I don't think I realized my Olympic dream until I was a little older, until I understood the value of each tournament. But I remember going to a really big tournament when I was 17. I think it was the Swiss Open in All England. And I watched, my coach took me to just go watch. And I think that's what started that fire of like the Olympic dream and being the top. Yeah. Like after watching all the professional players and all the Asian players, and then I was just like, I want to be like them. I want to be better than them. And then I kind of just, okay, let's start training. Who was that you were looking? Was there a specific player you were looking at when you were thinking that? I was just watching everybody. At that time, I didn't really know 
very many people. Obviously, at that time, Lee Chang-wen and Tofik were still playing. I remember at Swiss Open, I was watching the quarterfinals and they were facing each other. And, and I don't think I blinked once. <laughs> yeah, that would have been amazing. I think I was just in shock and awe of how awesome they were. And then I was also watching the other women singles player and they were also really good. Um, but just watching them, I feel like um, I wanted to be like them and be better than them. So then I think at that time it was chasing Fang and Jang Ning. That was the top. Yeah, two two very, very good players in the past. And there must have been something that when you started pursuing trying to be as good or even better than those players that, that kept you going because there's ups and downs in, in a professional badminton career. Was there something that just sort of kept you in the sport, something that you really loved about the sport? I love training. I feel like I'm the type of person that really loves putting in the effort and seeing the improvement and the progress. So... I think that's what kind of kept me going. And I just felt like, I don't know, there was like a feeling inside me that I always felt like I could do it. Obviously, there are times when it's really tough and you feel like you want to give up or whatever. But I think I had a pretty good support system to remind me what I was doing it for and to just believe in myself and be good to myself and have faith in myself that I can do it. Because it's really easy to forget that, especially like I've been doing this for so long. And uh, a lot of the times I was on my own too. So. And you said you were doing it for something. What were you doing it for? Were you doing it for yourself? Were you doing it for family? What were you doing it for? Um, obviously, most of it is for myself to see where I can go. But I want to do it for the sport itself. It's given me so much that I want to be able to give back to the sport and change the sport on this side of the world. Nice. That's awesome. I love that. Awesome. I can definitely agree with you and hard work just based on how we know each other. You're always training really, really, really hard, even if you're injured, even if you're sore, even if you're really tired, you're always putting in heaps of effort. So I can definitely tell that that kind of working hard ethic is something that you really do treasure about the sport. Now, when you, this is probably a bit, little bit off topic, but I've noticed that a lot of the things you've been putting out in social media currently, your posts on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, have been you've focused a lot on your well-being and how you're going mentally, emotionally and kind of putting it out there and just there's just a very caring vibe about your posts at the moment and probably more recently. Is there anything that you've come to realize or that you've decided that you want to share with the world more of? Yeah, I think especially during this time, a lot of people are going through really tough changes in their life. And I think because of so many outside influences, even for me, I guess throughout my career, I've had a lot of outside influences that would affect me that I didn't even know. Subconsciously, like I had no idea that I was being negatively affected and I never took care of myself and I never took the time mm. to really focus on me. I was just focusing on trying to fix everything else around me so that like what other people think was right. And then I didn't feel very happy. I wasn't enjoying myself. So I think especially during this time, I know a lot of people are struggling. I think it's really important to take even just a little bit of time out of your day to connect with yourself, know what you're doing every day and just have a goal because as long as you know what you're doing, like you can still keep yourself sane. And a lot of people forget that. And I think it's really important to keep that and make sure that you're in a very healthy mind space. Yeah, definitely agree that you need to be checking in on yourself, especially during these. I know it's a buzzword, unprecedented, unprecedented times. So yeah, very important to make sure that you are doing okay, especially yeah when a lot of people are unfortunately going out of work and they might be working from home and it is very challenging for certain people at the moment. 
And you talked about setting goals and I I want to transition into goals and achievements because you've had a lot of achievements. Like Jeff said, if we went through all your achievements in this podcast, we'd be done with the podcast after going through that list. So is there any particular achievement that you've had or any particular like memory that you have of badminton that is your most fondest? Um, I think there are a lot. Every year there's obviously highlights. I think my very first, if we're going like kind of through the timeline, I think probably the 2014 Commonwealth Games as the very first, like that was really amazing, that that kind of feeling. (laughs) But then in the recent years, more recent years, I think whenever I felt like I made a breakthrough in terms of Mm. performance, even though I lost, I think just the, the fact that I made a breakthrough in my performance and I was able to keep up with the top and I was able to give the opponent, like a top player opponent, a really hard time. I think I was very happy with myself and I remember it and I would feel really happy with my performance. And also, I guess Macau Open, winning on my birthday is also another yeah, that's right, yeah. crazy memory because who wouldn't like, it's really tough to kind of time like a championship or like a finals with your birthday so being able to do that like i guess two times in a row would kind of feel like Mm -hmm. that's That's like also something to remember i remember that defending your title on your birthday and then coming through it's awesome jeff was very excited um (laughs) texting me about it on that day (laughs) (laughs) now michelle i know that so when people hear your name and they see you in the draw and whoever you're facing in the world whether it be taisu ying or rachinok intanon or anyone that any of the top lady singles players, we all know that you can definitely beat them and you have in the past, 100%. We know that we've got an amazing game on our hands. My next question is just more based around the fact that we know that now because you've proved yourself, but when you were first getting into the international scene, people seeing that you had the Canadian flag on your clothing or, or next to your name, just wondering, was there any kind of judgment or yeah, like judgment of your abilities to compete with these top players? Like now you've done it so people know that you can, but was there something at the start that you needed to do to fix your mindset on, hey, I can still do this. doesn't matter about the judgment outside. Oh, for sure. Like when I first started traveling and touring, I remember a tournament and I won't say any names, but I was playing against a pretty top player and the coach didn't even bother to sit behind her. And she didn't really even bother to warm up. She didn't even have anyone to hit with. She just kind of moved a little bit. Um, she didn't really need to hit. And um, I was pretty young back then, but it was just the fact that I was from Canada. The coach or the player didn't feel like they needed to do the full prep that they usually do or mm. need to focus as much as they did with another top player. So just that kind of feeling fired my motivation even more to change the sport in Canada and to prove to a lot of Canadians that we can do it too and put Canada on the map. So it it more motivates me versus like puts me down. Okay. Was there, other than that motivation, was there a certain thing that you did to help you through it? Or was it more just like, I'm going to, to show them and I'm just going to work really hard and give it everything I've got. Was there anything that you did other than that? Did you talk to people about it? Did you go through different processes that helped you build your confidence, et cetera? Uh, I didn't really talk to people about it. I guess I don't talk to people much about my personal problems too much as like just as junior or just as a player in the past, more of like the shy type. But I've obviously learned that talking to people really does make a difference sometimes. But at that moment, I just, I lost. She killed me. But even though she killed me and even though like I was looked down upon, 
I just told myself, I just have to work harder and come back stronger. It's those losses that make me want to work harder and just come back stronger. So then in the future, like I can prove to myself that I am better than them or I can be better than them. Yeah. So did you have to work through any potential limiting beliefs that you had about being a Canadian raised badminton player? Oh, like all the time. It's like, you're never going to beat an Asian player. Like every time for a long time, all the Canadians, they always lose to the Asians. Like no matter which country, once they see an Asian flag, it's like, oh, like I have no confidence. So it's just trying to break out of that and just not follow the trend. And like a lot of players, they look at the draw and they see, oh, I'm playing Indonesia or I'm playing China. And I'm like, Mm. oh no, I'm screwed or whatever. But it's just like trying to break out of that trend. Like don't lose before you play, right? Yeah. So trying to break out of that trend and trying to just not think that way and just think they're human, I'm human, we can do the same things. Yeah, that's really good. What do you think it's going to take for another Canadian player to say, accomplish the feats that you have? Do you think it's, of course, training is important, but how do you think that you can pass on your experiences in trying to help these other players break through? Um, I think it's more just setting a good example, being able to show them that even though I'm a Canadian, I still have that confidence that we should be having. But also I feel like just passing on what I know is, it seems very simple, but just talking to them, talking to me and just sharing my experiences would save them a lot of time because I've been through it all. I've been through all the mistakes. I've been through all the, because I didn't have anybody before me, nobody Mm, before me, nobody older than me or no player older than me passed down anything to me. So for me, it was all touch and go. So I felt like I, I wasted a lot of time because of it. In my opinion, obviously everything that I've gone through in my career made me who I am, but I feel like a lot of things I could have probably skipped a lot of steps to get to where I wanted to go. Yeah. But instead I had to, okay, I have to go this way. It didn't work. So then I have to figure something out and go this way. So then that took a little bit more time. But I feel like little things like that, I could pass on to the juniors and they can save time. Yeah. It sounds like you've managed to figure out a lot of things, but it did take you potentially a lot longer than it may have taken other players who are in countries where they do have that infrastructure. They do have that support network around them when they're yeah, developing as players. Yeah. And I know that you've had a couple of setbacks in your career, one being the uh, hip surgery you had. I mean, what year was that? Uh, 2016. Yeah. How has it been getting back from hip surgery? And what are some of the biggest things that helped you get back to your best form? Because I know Jeff, you know, having a hip issue as well. I've still got yeah, it. Still, <laughs> unfortunately, it's still, still has bad. It. It's still yeah, terrible. You can't come back to professional badminton anytime soon. Um, so, no. so, I mean, how did you get back to your best form? Um, it took a long time because I guess leading up to the 2016 Olympics, I think I found out that I had a tear in my hip labrum, a tear in my Mm -hmm. knee, and then I had a broken bone in my foot all on the right side. So then after Rio, I decided to get surgery on my knee and my hip at the same time to save time and then just put a cast on my foot. I think I was out for a good year after that. Honestly, like it was a good mental break to figure out what I wanted to do and to kind of reset my body again. Cause I think I was traveling for a long time before Rio and it was really stressful. The Olympic qualification period like processes mm. is pretty crazy. But after that, when I came back, when I started to train again, it took me another year and a half to get back to the level that I wanted. So even though I was healthy, I could play, I could move. It felt like my leg wasn't really my leg mm. for a really long time. 
And that was one of the hardest things, I think, after the hip surgery that I had to overcome because I was able to do certain things before that I wasn't able to do anymore. So it's almost like relearning how to walk, relearning how to move and relearning how to do things that I already knew how to do before. And that kind of mental stress is hard to take sometimes because you know you were there, but then all of a sudden everything is gone and you have to start from like the beginning. It took a while, but then you just have to be patient with it and just kind of keep going. And then it just kind of happens after a while. Just that resilience, right? Just keep keep going with it, even though it's really mentally challenging. And then, of course, the importance of doing your rehab and maintaining your body from there, which kind of brings us to the next part of the questions that we want to ask you. And that was about the team that you were able to bring around with you. We've noticed that you do have a sparring partner who's now he's your, your very good friend as well, but he's your sparring partner and coach. And you've also got a bit of physio help that comes around with you where you can get treatment. How has that been bringing someone around with you, both for company, but for sparring as well as coaching? It has made a difference. So I've been traveling alone for a really long time and I was never really able to maintain my intensity like day by day. And I felt like it was really stressful to always look for training. And I think because of that added stress, it was hard for me to focus because I was always thinking about organizing this, organizing that, Mm. worrying about this, worrying about that, that I didn't have that focus on just my match. So it was an investment. You kind of have to balance it out. Like, do I want the results or do I want to just save money, right? So then I think I just took the risk to hire my sparring partner and just to see the difference that it would make if I had someone to train with at the tournaments, even if I lost, I could still maintain my game. And I wasn't just kind of sitting there alone, Mm -hmm. waiting for the next tournament with no training. And I'm not improving. And especially because there's so many tournaments that it's almost a waste of time if I'm not training during the tournaments. So I think it was an investment. I think it worked out pretty like... It was hard at first because my expenses just doubled. Yeah, yeah, yeah flight accommodation. Mm. But I needed to make a change and it was just something that I need. Like same with the, like I said, like it's all touch and go. So I needed to make a change to see if it would work. And then it turned out pretty good. And then you just kind of make little adjustments from it. And then you just kind of keep trying to move forward. And then after I hired a sparring partner, then I realized, okay, the next problem is my body. Mm-hmm. All these top players, they have everything. They have teammates, they have coaches, they have analysts, they have therapist, massage therapist. So how am I supposed to, how, how do I compete with them Keep up. if yeah. we're not starting on the same level or if, like, I don't even have the right recovery. So yeah. then I started thinking, okay, I made an investment for a sparring partner. It worked out pretty well. So then now what's next? Maybe I should try a therapist as well. Yeah. So right now I'm still struggling to balance. Like obviously like right now I'm still learning, like everything I'm doing right now, I'm still, it's still touch and go because I'm still learning every step. Like it's not perfect. So I'm still struggling with finding sponsors and trying to balance the expenses. And I guess the results aren't guaranteed either. So it's hard to know. There's no stability, but it's just, I'm still trying, but yeah. 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 So if you're listening to this podcast out there and you're a sponsor, I think it's time to get in touch with Michelle um, after you've, after, after <laughs> after you've, you've listened, listened to, this, yeah. to this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess looking back now, Michelle, when you didn't have you know, a sparring partner, when you didn't have you know, therapists as well, would you recommend to someone else or would you recommend to other players on the circuit to invest in a sparring partner or a therapist? It really depends on your your personal situation. If you're traveling alone and you have no one to train with, mm-hmm. and it really depends on your 
mindset. Some people are okay with just going to a tournament. Like it doesn't bother their focus. It doesn't take away from their focus of their match. And they're okay with just finding different people to train with every time. It doesn't take away from their energy. Then you don't really need, you can save on that money. But if you're traveling alone everywhere and you have no one to train with and you're, you feel like you're not going anywhere, like I think investing in a coach would definitely help. It's obvious that you need a coach to progress, right? If you're playing against somebody and there's a coach behind them, giving them tips as to how to beat you and you're just on your own, it's two against one. It's always going to be harder. So mm-hmm. obviously I think it would be really helpful. I definitely agree with that because even if you are winning the match and then you don't have a coach, but then the other person has a coach, you always have this thing in your head. You're thinking, hmm, I wonder what they're telling telling them. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. What are they going to change? Yeah. Yeah. Badminton's like a chess game. Like if you don't change mm-hmm. your tactics, the opponent is going to catch on. Their coach is going to catch on. They're going to tell them to change. And if you don't change fast enough, then the whole game turns around. And I think the the fact that your coach is a sparring partner, it just kind of has two ticks to it, right? So you've got the coach aspect of it, but then you do have the sparring side in a team like yourself where you are traveling alone, you don't have three or four other lady singers players to, to train with if you do lose. And I know that it's a similar situation with Tai Su Ying. I haven't seen it too much else other than both of you. Do you know of any other lady singles, even men's singles? I don't know of any, but do you know of any that bring kind of sparring partners around with them like you do? Most of the teams, they have like a good roster of women's singles players. So mm. not many people do bring their sparring partner. I know some of the men's singles do. Don't do that. Um, like the really top ones. Okay. Yeah. On very selective tournaments. Okay. Uh, okay. Most Taiwan players have it, I think. Mm-hmm. So singles player like Cho Lin Chen. Oh, yeah. Cho Lin Chen. Yeah. Wang Su Wei. Sparring partner, but no coach, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the exception. Yeah. <laughs> exception. Yeah. Yeah. So, Michelle, it seems like you've learned. It's just so much about yourself, about how to manage yourself as a world-class player and what you need, kind of like the support team and everything to do so. So when you look back at, say, Michelle Lee when she was, I don't know, when she was in her early 20s compared to Michelle Lee now, not saying you're not in your early 20s still, um, (laughs) but what do you think has changed in your mindset or like your maturity as a player, how you manage things, how you deal with emotion or or losses or hard things? What do you think you've really grown into? I think just I feel more mature and willing to let go of a lot of things. When I was younger, I always... I was a perfectionist. I guess I'm still a perfectionist, but because I was a perfectionist, I was always stressed and I was easily affected by people around me. So I took a lot of that on myself Mm -hmm. and I was really hard on myself. And it was really because I was so hard on myself, I lost sight of the joy of the sport and I lost sight of what I really wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. So I think over the years, I think it's just more about letting certain things go so that I can still be sane in my own mind and (laughs) just be happy doing what I'm doing. And I was stressing out about leaving my home and traveling and I was not excited to play in tournaments. Ah. Did you hear that sneeze? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was right. quite impressive. It's a good sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa said, where, where is she? Where's my auntie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that's awesome. So it's just like being more positive and just mm. making sure that 
I should be enjoying everything I'm doing right now because what I'm doing is, I think, once in a lifetime kind of period. And then for your game in itself, do you feel that your game style has changed at all as you've matured? Like what your general tactics are? I think because of my injuries too, my style has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My style has changed and my training has changed a little bit. I used to just push myself to the very limit until I actually broke and I did break. I had yeah. like two surgeries yeah. and like a, a thing. And I didn't want to go through that again. And I think I learned it the hard way. I'm having to go through the surgery and everything and learning to take care of my body after that. So it's just learning to listen to my body. I never used to listen to my body. It's just, I see training and I just went straight. Just right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, well, we're glad that you've went through it and now you're back in and in good form and hopefully continue to be. And I know that there's actually a fan page that's popped up uh, called Michelle Lee Fanbase. Do you know about this? And wh- when did you find out about this? <laughs> I want to say like a year and a half ago, but more than a year. Mm. I feel like it popped up mostly when I started to do better in 2019 or 20, beginning of 2019 or after Macau Open, yeah. the first time I'm on Macau Open. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's it like having a fan base? Um, <laughs> it's very encouraging and it's Absolutely. very heartwarming to know that I met the person who ran the fan base. Oh, did uh, you? She's from Indonesia. She actually has the same name as me, Michelle. <laughs> she's really nice. And um, for me, I'm really honored to be able to inspire people like that and to inspire people to want to support me and can help them in their lives and inspire them to do good things in their life too. So I think it's just, it's a real honor. And I think a part of me wants to do well for them too. I don't want to disappoint them. So I, it's really nice to have that, I guess, support system as well. And knowing that she is, or people are just always watching me and always hoping that I'm okay and hoping that I get stronger and just want the best for me. So it's a good yep. feeling. Yep. That's awesome. So shout out, lots of love from them to you. <laughs> shout out to them because they're doing an awesome job. And I know that they they even gave you some gifts as well, didn't they, when they saw you? Yeah, it's just uh, some crazy gifts. And it's just, she made this like a uh, Michelle Lee picture that I thought was really cute. And then she put it on bags, she put it on keychains, she put it on like these really cute objects and items that you can use for everyday use. So, and she even gave me a lot of food. So <laughs> I was very happy. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw the food as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so nice of them. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, that's fantastic. So another quick shout out to Michelle Lee fan base on Instagram. It's mainly on Instagram that the posts and stuff are. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think Instagram is the main one. Yeah. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And you personally, now you are working kind of on your personal branding in that you have your own website, which for all the listeners, it's michellelee.net where you do post a lot of personal pieces about how you're feeling, what's going on, and kind of, I don't know if you want to call it journaling, but lots of really heartfelt, deep kind of articles you put in there that I've read. How is that going for you? And what do you plan or what do you want to achieve from having that kind of release and that outlet for people to know what you're doing? So it's very new to me, all this uh, social media things. It's it's very new to me. So I'm working in partner with uh, somebody else to manage the website. The IG is all me, but then the website I'm managing with somebody else. So 
a lot of times it's more I write something or I feel something at a tournament and I just want to share with everybody. And I think the website is a very good platform to share Mm -hmm. my life and to share Mm -hmm. a lot of questions and to answer questions that a lot of people have for me and what people might think that I'm feeling during a certain time. It's just a really great place to just put everything together. And it's just a really great platform for i guess and it's easier for me to just say oh go to my website to check it out yeah. and to just uh, a lot of your questions could be answered on the website so it's just easier for fans or supporters or sponsors to just look at what i'm up to and there's a, a tournament schedule there's all my results and achievements and just a little gallery and just little things that you can if you want to know more about me then it's just easier that way I guess one of the questions that some of your fans and we're going to ask now is how is the delay of the 2020 now 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games affected you? I want to say that it's affected me in a good way because I, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yep. I felt like I was really improving mm-hmm. starting like last year up until the beginning of this year. And I think I was going in a good direction. It sucks that it was just all of a sudden it's come to a stop. And there's so many unknowns, like all the tournaments this year have been canceled or postponed. Uh, We don't know when this virus or this pandemic is going to end. And we don't know when it's actually safe. So um, just, it's obviously, if you think about it like that, it's, it's all negative. But I like to think of it as it's more time to prepare myself and take this momentum and just keep building on it and then just come back even stronger than before and just accept the situation and accept like the current reality and everybody's going through the same things. Mm -hmm. So it's what you choose to do during this time that will make the difference in the future. So I'm just doing what I can do like right now, um, trying to get stronger, working in my room or Right now we started training again, so I still make sure that I, I keep everything and try to build on little things one step at a time, but just not think too much about the Olympics being pushed back. Because I don't think that that bad of a thing for me, I'm just trying to make the most of it, I think. Awesome. Just mean that the um, gym business would just be one year delayed, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to make much difference. Yeah. Like one year delay, I, I mean, it's just one more year of being able to train and play badminton. So maybe I'm happy about that. It's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Michelle, after, let's just say, after you decide that badminton is something that you, like professional badminton is something you're going to stop doing and you're going to settle down, you're going to have a business to run. What else is in the life of Michelle Lee do you see happening after that, other than the business? I really like kids. So I've always wanted a lot of kids. I wanted a big family. So Mm -hmm. hopefully that I will have a big family in the future. But honestly, it's hard to plan. Everything that I've planned since I was 12 has never happened (laughs) the way that I thought it would. So I think I've kind of just learned to hope, but then not really expect that that's going to go the way it is and just kind of go with the flow. So honestly, I could live on an island for a year. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Like it's just, it would just happen. And I'd be like, okay, let's do it. So it's just kind of going through. Yeah, cool. So yeah, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but right now yeah. I want to open my own business. Um, currently the plan is in Toronto, but who knows, like anything can change. Everything can change in a span of like a day. So you never know. We look forward to seeing the, I don't know, island resort or some sort of island gym. Maybe the gym in your at the <laughs> yeah, island. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I love island life. I love going to the Maldives. Like yeah. That's the one place where I can go to really refresh myself and just like connect with myself, I guess, like just sitting by the beach or just being around water. I guess we don't get much water around here in Toronto. 
So I feel like the ocean really like calms me down. So I could see myself living on an island for a year, just kind of being away from all the the stress and all like the go, go, go vibes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and follow you on your website to find out what's (laughs) what's there, michellelee.net and and the Instagram, I guess. So Michelle, we're about to finish up here and I want to finish off by asking you if you had anything you wanted to say to all your fans, your thousands of fans around the world, including the Michelle Lee fan base. Um, I just want to say thank you and I hope that everybody's staying safe and uh, staying healthy and I miss being on tour and I miss uh, being able to interact with you guys like in person, but I hope everybody is doing well and just, yeah, I think I'm really happy that I have a fan base and have a support group and I don't think I can do it without anybody else's support. So, and I can't do it alone. So thank you very much. Absolutely. That's great. So for anyone listening out there who doesn't follow you or doesn't know how to basically follow your progress other than michellelee.net. How else can they see what you're up to? I want to say Google. (laughs) Yeah. And just your Instagram, your personal Instagram account as well. Yeah. Like my personal Instagram account. I have a Facebook page. I have Weibo now and my website, maybe the Badminton Canada's website. You can maybe find something there, but usually I post most on my Instagram and my website. Yeah, great. Fantastic. So for all the listeners out there, make sure you do follow Michelle and check out her website because she's got lots of cool posts, gallery, etc. that you can really keep up to date with her because she's doing awesome things. And hopefully 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games will be a gold medal is what we're saying. But we're not going to jinx it, but we're going to say gold medal for Michelle Lee. So <laughs> yeah, lots of support from that. us over here. <laughs> Thank you. So Michelle, just wrapping up here, just want to say thanks so much for being on the podcast. We've learned a lot just about what you've gone through and just the insights that you've taken. And hopefully some people will take from you as to how to manage your life, but also how to be on the circuit by yourself and really get the best out of yourself and realize where you need to change. Because yeah, like you said, you are in uncharted territories. You don't have the path paved for you. You are making the path yourself. And I'm sure that the generations of badminton players after you, especially in Canada, but also in other countries like Canada, Australia, the US, all of us where it's not a huge sport, but hopefully you've made it a little bit clearer and easier for us to navigate through the difficulties of professional badminton. So thanks again for sharing all of your insights. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice talking to you guys. So for everyone listening, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Badminton Podcast. We had heaps of fun and thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Michelle. We really do enjoy speaking to people from all different age groups, all different badminton levels, because we're really here to bring the badminton community together and just join forces in making the world more aware of how incredible our sport is. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes or you're a big fan of Michelle, please share it with your friends, your family, people who you want to play badminton, people who don't like badminton. Just share it with everyone because we want to show the world how incredible badminton is. So get out there, train hard, play hard when you can. Have fun and share your love of the sport. And we will see you on the next episode. And if you want to get in contact with Henry or myself, you can easily connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, where we don't do much there, or on our website, www.volantware.com. We're always keen to hear from you. Any feedback, any support is greatly appreciated. 
And we also have some people asking questions about what topics we should cover on certain podcast episodes. So keep those questions coming, keep those requests coming in. We'd love hearing from you. So we'll see you on the next episode. Until then, take care and keep playing hard. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Volantware, the most versatile badminton apparel you'll ever own.